We are CEOs, executives, educators, and professionals from all sectors of society who support the global expansion of betterment in the world through joy and joyly. I'm your host, Cheryl Lynn, founder of the Chair of Joy Experience. Together, we have developed the World Council of Joy, and our council invites CEOs and innovators from impactful organizations to the Joyly podcast. We showcase how generous, bold, and fully engaged they are in their work and what a culture of joy is to them. Good afternoon, everyone. Here we are once again with Joyly Studios, and I cannot wait to talk some more about the Chair of Joy and all the experiences that are really shifting and changing um, CEOs of America. So before we get into talking with uh, Tony Hopp, our most amazing guest today, I just wanted to share a little bit about um, what we're doing if you're a first time listening today. So the phenomenon of the experiential growth experience is upon us. So what I love about this is that people are actually taking time to slow down during this pandemic and, and build more experiences around joy. So I cannot wait to hear from Tony's perspective exactly what he's doing to do that. He started a new role not too long ago with Link Remote. So Tony, why don't you just introduce yourself and then I'm going to ask you a whole bunch of questions. All right. Sounds good. Uh, so Tony Hopp, uh, currently the Chief Commercial Officer at Link Technologies. We provide um, IoT products and services, so Internet of Things, so remote devices and monitoring and so forth. Uh, I live here in Chapel Hill, North Carolina and uh, weathering the, uh, the pandemic. So what made you make the shift to a, a, to a new position during this time? Well, uh, so uh, formerly I was a CEO of Mobot, which is a robotic lawn mowing uh, business. Uh, so we were in multiple states, had multiple territories, it was a franchise platform. And uh, we, we sold that company uh, a few weeks ago and I trans transitioned over to the job over at Link. So how many employees did our team members did you have over there? Uh, over at Mobot, we had, uh, oh gosh, um, 60 people. Uh, so we've got, you know, we had a home office staff and then we had all our franchisees and their staff, and then we managed it as a system. So how many total would you say, including the franchisees? Gosh, um, we had uh, 18 franchise owner groups, about uh, 59 or 63 territory service territories that were open. Um, so it was a pretty good, uh, pretty good system that we we built over about four years, and uh, uh, someone else uh, felt they could even carry it further. Uh, so we uh, we transacted it. Why not? So what made you get started in that arena in the first place? Was that your idea? Was it? Yeah. It, it was. I was the found uh, the founder. Uh, had exited a company in 2016, and so I spent a lot of time at home for the first time in 30 years, and I noticed the. Uh, incessant noise from uh, lawn maintenance crews. And I thought there must be a better way. Mm -hmm. uh, so I started researching just quiet technology, not necessarily robotic technology. Uh, but I realized very quickly that uh, the problem in landscaping went far beyond just noise, uh, you know, pollution, 5% of all pollution in the United States is produced by lawn care equipment. Um, of course, the noise, the noise pollution uh, as well, uh, and the fact that labor is a serious problem in the landscape space. Uh, one, people don't want to do it. <laughs> you know, nobody wants to mow grass for a living anymore. Uh, and, and of course, the, those people you do have are expensive. Um, so managing large crews is is a big job. So I thought, you know what, robots. 
<laughs> robots could solve this problem. Uh, so uh, uh, got together with Husqvarna, which is the largest outdoor power manufacturer in the world, and convinced them to build us some robots for our project. And uh, eventually they became a, an investor. They took a stake in the business. And then, uh, as I mentioned, we, we, we exited uh, a few weeks ago. So what's happening now? I'm just curious if they're, are they, are they excited? Are they running into challenges or? No, they are. Um, part of the process was to solve a few problems that they do struggle with. The, the big one being uh, financing. So every time you get a new customer, you got to buy a, you know, one to $3,000 robot. Uh, so you can imagine that gets costly over time. And we had some programs that they were mostly for our more astute franchisees who had already had business experience, but for the majority who bought the mobile franchise as their first business venture, um, you know, it's hard to get financing through traditional, uh, 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 you know, entities like banks or leasing companies. Um, so finally, we just as they were taken over, they've got a new financing program. So the franchisees are pretty excited. Okay. All right. And then a quick transition. You just did the Sun Fun show, you said, the aerial show in Florida, was yeah. it? Yeah, Sun and Fun. So uh, Link, the new company that, that, that I'm with, um, they sell uh, marine products and construction products, but they also sell aviation products. So we went out there to the show. We had an exhibit. Uh, we were one of, uh, I guess they have about 450 exhibitors. And then, of course, about 200,000 attendees. So it's a pretty big show. Um, not as big as the Oshkosh show, which we're doing in July, which is about 750,000 people and about 750 exhibitors. That's about uh, 25 minutes from my house. Oh, so you know. That's yes. That's show. And it's going this year. It is. That's awesome. It is. Um, so we went down there, uh, did a great job. We sold um, a number of our, uh, what we call modern hangar systems. So think of the modern hangar uh, as similar to the smart home. So we're monitoring conditions for the aircraft when they're in the hangar. We can open and close the hangar door remotely with the smartphone app. We can turn on engine preheat and cabin preheat and do a number of other things in the, in and around the hangar. Beautiful. All right. It's, I love business, but I think that um, we're all human and I think that we all yearn for joy. And I think that learning who you are and how you got to be where you are in this world is fascinating to our listeners. And most of them are CEOs or C-level HR departments trying to figure out, you know, somebody recently said to, to me, if I could raise the vibration around my company and my team by just 1%, the zeros behind the dollar sign is infinity. So it's really about, um, exploring a little bit more about you and how you got to be, you know, who you are as a human being to run such successful companies. So my first question is where, um, where was your, uh, where was your heartbeat around the mentor, the person or the people or the thing that might've happened as a young child to kind of set you on the path that you're on? You know, everybody's got their story. Uh, you know, mine starts at the age of 12 when I, I got my first job, uh, picking up, uh, cups and what we called shagging home run balls at a sporting complex. As a little 12-year-old, I'd run around and pick them up and, you know, I made six bucks a day uh, doing that for about an hour and a half. And I thought I was just something else, you know. But, you know, it wasn't just fun. It was, you know, a sense of purpose. Um, any purpose, I find, is, is all that it sometimes takes to, you know, to give somebody some direction. Um, 
so I, I, I stayed there through through uh, through college, helping out in numbers of ways, including running the place at one point. You know, met a lot of people, uh, got a chance to to hear the different perspectives of, you know, ball players and um, uh, you know umpires and people who are there to watch the the the, the sporting events, uh, and get a lot of different perspectives, and and that helped me to probably manage people as I started to build businesses because I knew that. You know, it wasn't just my way. Uh, people didn't just think in one way. Um, so I carried that forward. That was one of my early sort of lessons about people is that there, there's a lot of different kinds and they've all, they've all, you know, you've heard the old saying that ask 10 people uh, the answer to a question, you get 10 different answers. Uh, well, that's mostly true. Uh, unless, of course, it's, uh, you know, what is two plus two? And then that's just still, of course, one answer. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so. So shaping your experiences um, at an early age was important to you, it sounds like, and kind of carrying those values through. How about mom and dad? Were they significant? You know, my mother, she wrote policy for the state of Illinois. So the politicians, the legislature came up with a new law. She had to write the procedures and policies that the state agencies had to follow in order to live up to these laws and not break them. Um, and watching her, you know, manage such a big department and such important things within the state, uh, you know, it gave me this sense that you could do just about anything if you put your you know, mind to it. And she put her mind to it, I can assure you. Uh, so I think that was probably one of my early lessons from her is just tackling big problems and, and big issues and just doing it one one step at a time with her team. Yay, mom. She's, yes. she's with us and you're celebrating Mother's Day. Yes. <laughs> is she nearby? Uh, actually, I just left her. Um, I was in Illinois uh, on business, but I happened to be from the hometown I was in, Springfield. Uh, and so I, I stayed with my folks there. I just got back last night. That's fabulous. Yeah. So as a CEO then, how long? You said you were there four years? A CEO of Mobot for four years, yeah. And before that? Were you before, that uh, before that, I was the uh, founding, one of the founding partners of a business, a uh, large ISP in the Midwest. Um, but I've been a CEO or a chief technology officer for 17 companies over the last 35 years. Wow, yeah. 17, are you having fun? Uh, I have had fun. It's, it's, been, it's been a, you know, it's been a varied uh, career, um, you know, started with a, a small uh, uh, design and, and manufacturing company uh, up through medical imaging uh, internet and wireless services, uh, trucking, uh, you know, technology, uh, of course, robotics. Uh, also, I've, I currently have a company. Uh, I've got a partner, uh, but I run the company, and it's a um, uh, software platform for franchising. Uh, so we support a number of franchises uh, in really providing the platforms that their franchisees use to run their business. That company's actually, I say I run the company, I'm, I'm the primary advisor, but we do have a guy that runs that business now and uh, does a great job. That's awesome. So would you say, I heard you say the, 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 the Mobots or the lawn care industry was noisy. Do you think you made decisions from company to company as you progressed in your career based on what gave you joy or did you just kind of go with the market and what the need was? You know, it's funny that you bring that up because it's almost uh going after things that 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 affected my joy <laughs> you know uh i could not i could not uh be joyful in my own noise because uh the outside noise was too too high um no not always um 
really, actually more often it was, I found or stumbled across or researched some interesting new technology and thought, you know, how could I turn this into a business? Um, you know, whether it be imaging technology for the medical space or wireless technology for the internet space or robotics technology for the lawn space. Um, I tend to gravitate toward the technology side of, of, of the business. It, it interests me. And great. So 71% of uh, employees are disengaged and uh, half of them are looking for uh, jobs while they're at work. So tell me about your team and how you created a uh, environment or what that environment looked like. Well, I, I would first uh, go back to your, your, you know, your statement about um, disengagement. I think that you're right that that number is high. I don't think it's an intractable problem because that's human nature, I think. Um, now, I'm sure it's gone up and down over the years, and I think you probably should more track the delta from year to year than, than the actual number. Uh, I suspect it's been 70s or high 60s for probably 30 years. Right. So as a manager, what's more important is, and it kind of goes back to your kind of this premise of joy, even when somebody is thinking of leaving, wondering about leaving, imagining leaving, but maybe they never would. Um, our job is not to stop them from leaving because it's almost impossible to do that. Our job is to make sure that the environment exists at, at your workplace, that they can enjoy what they do. And even if they're gonna leave, that's okay because a very large percentage of, of hiring is from referrals. So even if someone leaves you, you don't wanna burn the bridge with them because they may say, hey, I, I used to work there. I left for various reasons. None of them necessarily the company reason or cause from the company and you should work there. It happens all the time. Um, so if someone's leaving, continue to support the notion that they should enjoy their work because they might stay, but if they don't, they may refer others to you, uh, whether it be new business or new employees. I'm curious when you say, make sure that they're having an enjoyable environment or work day, what does that mean specifically for you? Well, look, uh, every job, whether it's a CEO or it's the guy who, or gal who sweeps the floors at night, um, some parts of the job just aren't good. <laughs> you know, no matter what you do, everything is not good. Uh, uh, you know, something, there's always challenges, there's always issues. Oftentimes it's something you just don't enjoy doing, but you have to do it because there's no one else to do it. The challenge is to reduce that to the smallest percentage of your day. So that means hiring new people who have different skill sets or are interested in doing different things, or it's outsourcing it to a company who can do it and take that pressure and that sort of point of stress away from the company. You know, I, I'm a strong believer in um, providing challenging but productive uh, work environments. And if you can't be productive, it may not be your fault, maybe the company's fault. And there may be ways that we can, you know, create a better space. Um, but people have to at least do part of their work each day that's enjoyable. It can't all be just hard, high level stress work. It has to be easygoing, breezy, um, you know, uh, have a good time. I'm not saying that everybody's running around joking and drinking beers on, on from a tap, <laughs> but you know, it, you do have to understand that the, the people need a, a relief valve from time to time throughout their eight hour day, I think. That's interesting. When somebody, one CEO said to me yesterday, um, 
I, I always ask about KPIs. What's your number one KPI that you measure that seems to show the success of your company more than anything, the one that just gets you all excited? Yeah. And he said, I'd love to say productivity or this, then he named them all. But he said the number one is employee you know, just engagement. I think he referred to it as that. So what would, you, what would you say to that? And then secondly, his comment was, I wish I could measure that. Have you ever dropped your phone on the floor, on your face, or in some other embarrassing place? Don't you wish there was something you could attach to your phone case that would help you hold your phone so you don't have to, or at least as much? Introducing Steady Straps, a comfortable, adjustable, strong, elastic strap with 100% Velcro brand closures that helps you hold your phone more securely without dropping it and use it easier and faster, especially one-handed. It's the only smartphone grip accessory without adhesives, and it's 100% wireless charging ready without having to remove or adjust it first. Check us out at SteadyStraps.com and order some today. There's got to be a way to measure the amount of joy that is in your workplace. Wouldn't you agree? I, yes, I agree. It would be awesome. Uh, but I don't think it will ever be possible. <laughs> what? Uh, no, I don't think so. Uh, but probably productivity would be the closest thing because happy people are productive people, I think. I don't agree with the premise that the number one metric is employee joy or, or productivity. Um, I think the number one key metric in a business is would your existing customers refer you to new customers? So a bit of a, a net, pre, you know, uh, uh, an NPS. Um, mm -hmm. I think that's probably the most important because of all the stakeholders in a business, the number one stakeholder is the customer because they've paid for something and I need to deliver that something to them. Uh, and yes, I need to make sure that very close second is is the the health and well-being of my staff. Now, safety aside, you know, um, I should not be delivering products and services to a customer if I can't keep my employees safe. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think the, 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 the quick follow on or the, or the, the fast follow is the, is the, the employee. Um, really the, the last stakeholder who you should be worried about are the shareholders themselves because the shareholders are virtually guaranteed success. If you, uh, have, um, Customers who are happy with their products and employees who are who have a safe and and and, and productive work environment. So, it's almost like the state the shareholders will get what's coming to them if you do all the other things right, and, right. and they should support that too as, as as shareholders. So, as as a group of CEOs in general, I know we can't put them all in the same category, but is this a challenging opportunity? I believe that, you know, focusing on, on, they've got so many things to do, obviously, right? So yeah. where wherein lies customer's client satisfaction? And is that on the top of the list or is that just one of the things that gets kind of bumbled in there? Yeah. Well, um, Generally. Tim Cook, you know, Tim Cook of uh, over at Apple, he would tell you that customer satisfaction is the, the number one metric. He, he references it um, often. Um, and I, I, I think he's, I think he's right. Um, you know, at the end of the day, the way that you deliver your product or your service um, is paramount uh, to that success. So the way I think about it is, and whether the contract is written or verbal, uh, your minimum uh, responsibility is to deliver what's in the contract. If you say you're going to deliver widgets at 
$5 a piece and you're going to get them a million a month. Well, guess what? By God, <laughs> you know, you better get it to them and it better be that price. Um, customer satisfaction, I think, goes beyond that because there's always this sense that, you know, they expected more, but they just never told you, <laughs> you know, uh, it's like in personal relationships. Uh, oftentimes you're expected to do things that no one told you that you're supposed to be doing. Uh, so learn that lesson young kids. Uh, uh, but business is not unlike that. Um, you know, you deliver that million widgets, but when they called for a million, 500,000, they're very disappointed if you can't deliver. Um, so do what's in the contract as the minimum, but then try to be prepared and flexible so you can deliver more. Um, because that's what, see, customers don't gauge your value based on the contract, on what they expect from you. It's what they don't expect later. It's, you know, it's, okay, they're supposed to get me this thing and they got me the thing, but I needed more and they couldn't get it to me. So it's not what you can do for them. It's what you didn't know you needed to do for them. So being flexible and understanding the psyche of your customer will help you to deliver that product or service beyond the contract, you know, beyond the, the expected uh, deliverable. So my question around that is, I mean, I, I agree, and I'm sure CEOs strive for that every single day and want to be Tim Cook. <laughs> but, <laughs> But uh, not but, but and so how do they become this themselves, right? Isn't this a CEO driven objective? No, I, I, no Cheryl, I, I don't think so. Okay. Um, pride of work. Don't ever don't underestimate, you know, people's desire to be recognized as a productive employee who can deliver on a promise. Because remember, they have a promise too. Uh, their contract is you pay me X and I do Y. Um, so they're in the same boat that the CEO's in. Mm -hmm. uh, the employee is delivering on their employee contract. Not again, it could be verbal, uh, but usually it's in writing or at least in some form it, it exists. And they want to live up to that, but they want to be able to do more. You know, few employees will say, I just do the minimum at work and then go home. What they usually say is, I get my job done and then I go home. Uh, and the job is not always written down. The job is to not only make my bosses happy and my customers happy, but make my team members happy. You know, I want to do well, even if I'm just a team of one, you know, then it's just me. But usually it's a team of, you know, two or more. Mm -hmm. And, you know, yes, there are those who don't care necessarily about their team and they just want to collect a paycheck and go home. I think most people, they want to be proud of themselves within a team environment and they want their uh, the people they report to to believe that they delivered something worthwhile in the company, whether it be a report or a product or a piece of software or a referral or whatever it is. I think they want to be considered as someone who does, goes above and beyond. I feel like you did a really good job early on in the hiring process. Like in order to get to that level or to that group of people, there's been a lot of work prior to. So can you tell me about that a little bit? Yeah. You know, it's almost the culture itself. Uh, well, I used to, I forget, I don't remember who said it, so I won't quote it, but in general terms, you cannot hire or you cannot build culture. You can't take 10 people and agree to what it will our culture be. You have to hire the culture. Right. So if you want someone who has a certain set of values, 
you have to hire people who already have those values because most people don't change in that regard. Uh, people could be more productive. They can be trained to do new things. They can expand their horizons, but their values, like, are, are they honest? Would, you know, would they, would they lie on a form if pressured? Would they, you know, um, steal from a customer? <laughs> you know, if people, if they have questionable values, they're always going to have questionable values, I think, at least in the work environment. So hire people who like to work the hours you like to work. They like to produce the type of work you like them to produce. Find them and figure that out early. Uh, and then you'll have, you'll have those people on your team that, that I referred to earlier. Did you do any Myers-Briggs or any of the, did you have a tool specifically for that? Or did you just have the right questions in your mind? And all? You know, I don't. And I don't know, I, I can't remember the article, but it came out just a couple of weeks ago. I, I wish I could remember, maybe do some searches on, on Google, but they were talking about how companies shouldn't use those things. They shouldn't use these personality things because I can tell you that um, I've taken them. And some of them tell me that I should be the president of the United States and others say, don't, you should never hire that person. <laughs> and I, I would like to believe I've been reasonably successful. So um, I just don't, I don't, I never thought they were useful and I, I, I don't use them and, and, and I never would. Yeah, I, t I completely agree. I think that anybody can say anything on those. I'm sure you can whittle a little bit, but it, you know, at some point, at some point you need to, you know, follow your gut and your yeah, intuition you do. and create a team around you that you're attracted to or that you can attract. You know, I think that if you, you talk about joy, um, I find myself when I'm hiring a key position, I just get on the phone with them, you know, um, I just tell them, hey, look, you're 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 in the short list, and I'd love to just jump on a call with you at indeterminate amount of time, and you know, let's get to know each other, and talk about family, talk about sports, talk about travel, just get to know the person, and I think that you'll find that you'll figure out the personality pretty quick, and I, I don't need a test to help you with that. Exactly. Yeah. So would you say that enhancing the culture of joy, not building, I agree with you, like it's either there and you can you can embrace it and expand it or you don't. So yeah. I, I think it's it, you can walk into an environment and there's cubicles and everybody's got their head down and it's quiet and you can sense that there's probably a joyless uh, <laughs> community in there. But um, mm -hmm. would you say there are ways to create enhanced culture of joy that's there? And I don't mean happy, like going bowling and those kind of things, but I mean like a sustained, you yeah. know, group, group, not woo woo, but a sustained, you know, thing that could evolve. Yeah. You know, I, when you're right, I'm glad you said, you know, this is joy is not having parties in the office every day. Right. Joy is the, the feeling that a sales team gets when they're in the conference room and they just made their numbers. Um, joy is uh, opening up your, your email in the morning and getting your customer satisfaction rating and it's a five out of five. Um, so, the, so part of the way that you get people joy in work is to make sure they have the tools to meet those goals. If you want a five out of five customer satisfaction rating, give your employees the, the, the tools to meet those goals. Uh, nothing more frustrating than saying, okay, guys, I want I want a 10% increase in sales this month, but then not do a darn thing to help them get that 10% in sales increase. Yeah. Um, so give them the tools, give them the environment and let them flourish. 
And boy, you talk about joy. You're going to see a lot of smiles, on a lot of faces in a lot of conference rooms. If you give them what they need and that helps them to succeed. Now, joy also is patting someone on the back and telling them that they've done a good job. It is, you know, buying a, a round of pizzas for everybody on a Friday because they, they met their numbers. Just, you know, sometimes it's something as cheap as buying them lunch. Sometimes it's investing a significant amount of money in some new tools that can help them do their job better. Yeah, I love that. That that probably no one said it quite as eloquent as that. It was kind of all encompassing. So I have a tool and I'd like to see if I could share it with you real quick. Oh. <laughs> it's fast and fun. Can I? Sure, let's do it. All right, so just feet on the ground. I think I did this in a, in a team environment the other day and it was a huge hit and it felt kind of weird because people don't like to do this in a public setting or in, you know, amongst the peers that they work with, but it's really powerful. So feet on the ground. Yep. And I think, I think the idea of just what you talked about is the celebration or the pat on the back. This is kind of along those lines. So if somebody were just put their feet on the ground and take a minute three times a day, you know, where they could just take a breath, right? and focus on your feet on the ground and just know that the ground is always there, even the stress and anxiety, and you can feel your feet in your shoes and just, you know, let yourself get quiet and then feel your arms on the chair maybe, and then look around your office in the room, who's there, look at like, really look at people or the pictures on the wall, you know, or in your Zoom meeting, like who really looks at someone and says something about them and then listen, what's hap What's listen, what's hap what you can hear that's maybe more for you what you can't hear, which is pretty cool. And then I just ask people to take a deep breath and tell me for you, Tony, tell me one deep, one uh, memory of joy that you can think of that you really felt like things were really all clicking for you. One time in your life, anytime, anywhere, any place. Business or, or personal? Either one, whatever Either comes one. to mind. Oh, well, I mean, hands down, it's uh, being with my wife. I mean, it doesn't matter where or what we're doing. That that That's for me, we've been married 30 years. Um, now, no children. So, say you know, that says what it does. <laughs> you know, we, we have a lot more time to be happy together uh, because the kids aren't, there's no kids around. Uh, but yeah, it, none, none, of the business, none of the business success matters if I don't have someone to come home to. So joy starts at home. It always does. It always will. Um, and then to the, to, with that extension, uh, helping people outside of business, you know, I'm a Rotarian and I travel all over the world doing Rotarian projects. I've done projects in Africa. I've done projects in South America. I've done projects in the Caribbean. And, you know, once I, once I take care of myself and my family from a health and safety perspective, I want to help others. And then business and I, and I must admit, and I got people have to understand. I mean, I've been fortunate that that I can have the reverse life. You know, you, a lot of people they got to earn a living first, and then a family second, and then helping others has to always be last. I'm fortunate that I can flip that around a bit. Um, but people who listen to this show probably are more likely in my camp. So keep that family life strong, and that's gonna that's gonna drive. Your, 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 your business happiness for, for certain. That's awesome. So I just, you gave me two really great moments. Let's just go in Africa and your wife. Those are two really great uh, memories. So if you could give those two concepts a word, one word that would kind of connect those two memories, what would you say the word is? You know, I, I'm thinking hard about it simply because it's, it's an important question, actually. Um, you know, I, I sometimes you know, use the, the term connective tissue. Mm 
um, whether it's health, healthy tissue in the body or healthy connection with people or a healthy connection between businesses, there's always this, you know, call it, uh, you know, protective tissue or call it, uh, you know, a framework of connectivity or call it a network or whatever you call it. It's, it's this flow of ideas and thoughts and feelings and um, experiences that, that are what makes us interesting. Um, you know, if I'm, if I don't connect with anybody or anything and I just stay at home and I do a stay at home job and I never go to the park and I never go out to dinner and I don't have a relationship, you know, I, I am a network with one node, <laughs> not, not a very interesting network, but if I have a network of thousands of nodes or millions of nodes, it gets awfully interesting very quickly. So I think maybe connective tissue or, 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 a, or a sort of an underlying network uh, that's probably the concept I would use to connect the things I do philanthropically with the things I do socially and the things I do with, in my business. I feel like your brain just went right to the computer technology and you know, <laughs> coding. And it's like, oh, how do I, how do I, how does this fit in my brain? That's so fun. That's right. That's right. <laughs> it took me so long to land on it. <laughs> so if you're, so just to carry that, so you've done a great job. Thank you. That that's kind of the experience of joy for people. I ask them where in their house their chair of joy is, or where in the company is the chair of joy that people can actually go in, sit down, take a minute, take a breath, feel their feet on the ground, look around, feel, and then tap into some memories and just share those. What's powerful is sharing a memory. Most people will say, you know, work related, right? So yesterday when John, you know, brought that thing over and he did that and we we collaborated and that happened yeah it just raises the vibration so quickly yeah. and so powerfully so thank you for doing that but so i just want to finish this just because you're with me here is the connective mode that's your one word it if you would say when you're in that 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 connection world that's joy for you i, I don't know mm -hmm. if you're connecting people or ideas people, or people, people ideas places i love to travel the world um uh, other cultures, other languages, um, food, you know, it's, just, it's all in there. Yeah. I, so, so, the, so the, if the word is connective, joy is connection a word and a connection is joy. So now we're at it. So this is what I want you to say, that what you were just saying. There's 3000 CEOs at the end of the LaGuardia airport. They don't understand this joy slash connection thing that you talk about. What would you say to them? They're listening right now. Like they, they want what you have. If they're, if they're at LaGuardia. I would tell them, get on a plane, get up to 30,000 feet and look down. That's what I would tell them because that's where you're going to see them. That's where you're going to see it all, you know, and then as you get closer to landing, you're going to get more and more focused on what is that challenge? What is that problem? What is that hiring issue? What is that problem at home? Whatever it is, you get closer, but you want to start high. You want to, I'm a pilot. So I, I sometimes think in terms, um, you know, you get, that's the vantage point. And it's the same thing with ideas or with, you know, um, teams. You want to you want to figure out you want to distill out everything else and figure out what is this? What is it that we're trying to address? What challenges that we're trying to solve? What investment are we thinking we might make or what person we're going to hire? You know, kind of back to the, the hiring thing um, and then get down low and start to problem solve. But don't start there. A lot of times people jump right into the weeds. You've heard that saying before. Get out of the weeds. <laughs> you know, get get up high and take a take a look down and figure out what what is it that we're trying to do here and then start to narrow your focus and and and, and solve for X. 
I love that. And I would just like to say that most of the time that uh, CEOs, they hear that idea, but they don't necessarily know how to get up high. They're not pilots, right? And so they're probably, so the chair of joy that what I just explained to you is what we're taking to CEOs is for them yeah. to go off into their, into their boardroom maybe, or whatever room and close the door and sit there with their feet on the ground and freaking turn it all off. What's going, all the chatter right that's going out there and take a minute because the, right when you're in from a neuroscience perspective when you're in silence when you're not jabbering and asking and wanting right that therein lies all the problems all the answers to the problems all the productivity all the inspiration would you agree with that yeah i, I would um you know you talk about this chair of joy um you know it could be like <laughs> it, it could be you know uh, the office of joy it could be the the hallway of joy it could be the the garden, right. joy. It could be, it, you know, it could be in the factory of joy. You know, it's where is that place that, you know, like when I go into the office and it's unfortunate this past year, <laughs> not a lot of that going on. Um, but for me in business, at least the joy is walking through that door in the morning and knowing that all the people around me have either been hired by me or someone who knows how I like to hire and they have that value set. And that I I can trust them. I'm in a I'm in a building with people I trust who are going to move us in the direction that we all collectively have decided we want to go. And you know it's kind of like in a relation, personal relationship. When you trust the person, um, it makes it so much easier. And I think business is the same. If you trust your partners and your employees and your customers and your you know your vendors, maybe trust. I don't know. Maybe I just solved for for X there. Maybe maybe joy is trust. Ah, you know, because it, it allows you to do more. It allows you to well, uh, you know, allow if you've got a partner and you trust them. What does that mean? That means you can go home sometimes without worrying about the business because they're there and you can trust them. So yeah. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm onto something, Cheryl. Trust. You have a very, you have a very innate special ability to do the things that you're talking about. A lot of people don't. So when you, I do talk about the chair of joy, but it doesn't mean this chair of joy. It means your of chair of joy, or wherever you're sitting or standing, or the garden, or whatever the heck it is. But yes. um, I like. I like the idea of truth and trust, but it also takes time to develop, right? Yeah. Yes, and so so having people, you know, really express and do a little more conversation in the group, I think would be amazing. And anyway, that's what we're doing. And so yeah. it was really awesome getting your ideas around this whole conversation. And I think it's a learning curve for all of us where we are right now in the world and what's happening and stopping to take the 30,000 views so we can really understand what it is that we need. Yeah, absolutely. Any last comments you'd like to see? Any takeaways from today and anything you'd like to leave with our listening audience? Well, you know, uh, joy is fun. Uh, <laughs> Not, not a lot of that been going on either. Uh, so just, you know, go out, have fun and uh, enjoy the work, enjoy the, the the pleasure, enjoy the family, enjoy the, the you know, the the food. Just enjoy as much as you can. I, I That's what I try to do. And if you don't, go freaking find it. Get rid of that go and, find it. and move to it somehow. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Tony Hopp, what a pleasure having you on the show today on the Joyly Studios. And uh, we look forward to sharing this podcast with so many people around the world as we continue our conversation of joy and creating uh, cultures of joy within the CEO workspace. So have a great day, Tony. I really appreciate your time. Thanks, Cheryl. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. 
To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer.